Well, this is Brody Taphorn, and we are back with the UALC podcast. I am here with my co-host, Andrea Taphorn. Hi, folks. I'm Andrea Taphorn, and I am excited to be here for another episode of the UALC podcast. And I'm Brody Taphorn. I am Andrea's husband. We uh, work together at Upper Arlington Lutheran Church. I serve as the campus pastor for our Mill Run campus, and today we are going to continue our discussion on grief with Greg Shad. So last time we covered a lot of ground in our first episode. Today we are going to continue our discussion with Greg. Greg is a uh, executive director of Cornerstone uh, Counseling Group. He has uh, been working in this field for 26 years. We were talking to him about grief and we are going to pick up our conversation uh, as Andrea asks Greg some questions about how grief affects our bodies. So let's pick up our conversation. Tell us some more, too, about like um, if I'm in grief, I, I know that it's something that's holistic. Like, tell us a little bit about what does that look like in our bodies? Uh, just for anybody out there thinking, body, mind, and spirit, what does it look like when my grief is in, in, in my body? Yeah. Well, especially in the early stages of grief, if we've had a significant loss or maybe some significant losses in succession, one of the th experiences that we tend to have is that people describe it sometimes as like, I feel like I'm in a fog. Mm -hmm. And so there's this numbness or this surrealistic because the loss doesn't doesn't match our concept of how life is. And now we're trying to understand life as it is with this loss and it doesn't make sense. And so it's very overwhelming. And so we can, we can feel like we're in a fog. It, it taps our energy. You know, it, it, it requires an, an enormous amount of energy to heal from loss. And so we tend to be very tired, whether we're completely focused on it or not, mm. it's there, right? And so it taps our energy. It can tap our ability to concentrate. And so people are, you know, they, they experience a loss and like they lose their car keys. They, um, they're like, somebody will say, hey, did you feed the dog? And they're like, what dog? Oh, yeah, I have a dog. <laughs> you know, and before the loss, they love their dog. They never forget to feed their dog. Yeah. But the loss causes just some brain fog. And, and so there's a heaviness physically. And so taking care of ourselves just at that basic level of we can forget to eat. We can forget to drink water. Um, you know, we may be are having trouble sleeping. And so one of the best ways, especially early on in that grief process, is to just get real simple and practical and just try to take care of our physical body. Just try to drink lots of water, uh, try to eat some healthy food, try to keep exercising a little bit. Uh, we don't have to overdo it, um, but, uh, but exercise is helpful. Try to keep our sleep rhythm as similar mm -hmm. as, you know, as we can to what it was before. So in, in those things, we're just taking care of our physical body because the better we take care of that, the more resources we'll have to kind of carry this emotional load. You know, just yesterday uh, at our house, um, my dad lives with us, and he is awesome at taking out the trash and the recycle bin. And we've lived together now for years, and yesterday he um, took that trash out and dumped it right in the recycle bin, mm. like just yeah. mindlessly did something. And he, he looked at that and was like, 
what did I just do? Never done that. And it just reminds me of what you just said of like that daily tasks. I think our minds are pretty fuzzy or Mm -hmm. on something else right now in ways that it's helpful to hear that, that that's kind of an indication of we're in grief. Right. And, um, yeah, be, and be kind to yourself. You yeah. might do stuff like this. Yeah, and and so we kind of you know grief tends to require an extra, an extra measure of grace uh, for the per you know for others as we see them grieving, and also to receive an extra measure of grace for ourselves as we're grieving. And it, it is interesting with the coronavirus situation and and people's kind of daily life that, that's disrupted pretty significantly. And, and for some who, who don't have the virus or don't have loved ones who are, who are battling with that particular uh, struggle or fear or, or loss, um, there can be a sense of things are different, but why am I so tired, yeah. you know, or why am I so distracted? Or, and it, it's because, you know, grief also is often described as like, I'm just walking in mud. Mm. Like everything's just a little harder. It's yeah. like... Instead of walking on level ground, it's like I'm walk. Everything is uphill, just mm-hmm. a little more uphill, and so it wears us out. And so, I, I thought that was fascinating. After a week or two into this, I'm thinking, "Oh wow, yeah." It's like most people are experiencing this kind of low-grade grief with a variety of losses, and maybe we're handling, you know, we may be handling the losses very well, but that doesn't mean it doesn't affect us. Yeah. And so I'm finding a lot of people a little more tired, maybe a little more irritable, um, maybe a little more disorganized, uh, just as a as just kind of the baseline. And I think it has a lot to do with grieving all these many little micro losses. Yeah, and you, some not micro losses yeah. as well. And and I, I want to get into that just a little bit. You're you're talking about uh, scenarios where you know we can recognize. You know, Everything seems uphill. Everything seems like I'm slogging through mud. Um, here are some things that you can do to mediate those things. Live a healthy lifestyle. Eat, drink water, get good sleep. Those are, those are kind of the, the first aid things that we can do. Yeah. But what if we are talking about something that's not just an, an injury, but more a trauma? Yeah. What, what, what would a person do? Uh, if they are starting to recognize characteristics that go beyond just, yeah, I kind of got a little brain fog here. Yeah, everything seems a little bit harder. What if, what if the, the injury is more of a trauma? Mm-hmm. What, what should a person do in that, in that regard? Yeah, I think a trauma, and I, I'm glad you brought that up because I think uh, sometimes with grief, we've experienced trauma. Um, and and almost all the time when we've experienced trauma, there is grief with it. But there's not always trauma when we have a loss. But when there is trauma, trauma is uh, like a traumatic event, if we want to kind of define that a little bit. A traumatic event is, is an event that is outside of our typical daily experience that pretty much overwhelms our resources. And so it's, and it's something that... that we recognize when it's happening as a significant threat to ourself or to a loved one. And despite our best efforts or, or even going into kind of the fight or flight mode, like what, and that's, that just means our internal alarm system just totally kicked on our alarm system kicked on our adrenaline shoots up or, you know, we're reacting physiologically to this threat and 
yet we recognize that we're not bigger than the threat. We can't stop it. The threat happens. And maybe, maybe it's kind of like the you know, tornado. We go, well, wow, the tornado missed me. Yeah, yeah, but I was still significantly threatened. And then sometimes the tornado doesn't miss us. Mm. And so that's when we have the, the grief with the trauma is that we have a loss, but we experienced a traumatic event. It was overwhelming and it was kind of, sometimes a traumatic event can also be something that's outside of our belief of what we thought would happen. And so we could say, well, I, I know that this was possible, but I didn't think it would happen to me. And so we can feel this, this trauma of just being overwhelmed by this event and, and, a response to the trauma typically occurs where we repeat that event in our mind a lot. And, you know, we keep seeing it in our mind and we're trying to process it or we have nightmares or we have these, our body kind of kicks into this, this panic or this hyper alert uh, state when it doesn't need to. And, and so, you know, if we've experienced trauma with a loss, I usually encourage people that that's a pretty good time to talk to a mental health professional uh, because then they can help figure out is, is the response to the trauma dissipating in kind of a, a, a manner that, that looks healthy, you know, or that, that looks like healing. I shouldn't say mm-hmm. healthy, but lo- looks like healing. And if not, then the mental health professional can help provide some interventions that can address that, that can help that uh, experience from trauma to heal. Okay. And sometimes healing from trauma can, can be very, it's very helpful, but it doesn't heal the grief that comes with it, mm-hmm. you know, but if they are together, uh, uh, hope I'm not being too confusing here, but when grief and trauma are together, it's really helpful to get healing for the trauma so that the unhealed trauma doesn't prolong the grief process. Yeah, so I'm trying to think like for right now what people are currently experiencing, would you can we define some traumas that you know on a spectrum of even maybe having to go to the hospital would you think that that could be tra- a traumatic experience for for a lot of people may not require mental health intervention but certainly mm-hmm. would be on a spectrum of both grief and trauma? I think we can have experiences that, that, that feel somewhat traumatic, but they weren't necessarily, you know, life-threatening or significantly threatening. And, and in those situations, hopefully we're going to recover pretty quickly yeah. from that and kind of we'll recover on our own. That won't require much intervention to heal from. Um, even though, uh, let's say, someone needs to go to the hospital and that represents a pretty significant risk because maybe the virus is, we know it's there and there are many people there that have it. We don't know whether we will contract that virus or not. And so we're going into that with, with considerable concern and we're kind of on hyper alert. Um, and so sometimes we can move into a situation that feels very risky and our alarms going off, but, it, it doesn't completely overwhelm us, mm-hmm. right? And so, and so we're able to move through that situation and then kind of deal with the, the outcome of that, right? But when we have a trauma that doesn't resolve, 
then that intensity and that experience of over being overwhelmed, it comes back at a frequency that we don't have any control over. And so that's when we usually need to get a mental health professional involved is when that sense of being overwhelmed by that risk or that experience keeps coming back and we're not able to make it go away. Yeah, that's helpful. That's really helpful. I think of so many things that maybe weren't necessarily the most traumatic things are. Uh, even I, I feel like losing a loved one during mm -hmm. this time, whether it's from COVID-19 or for, in, for anything, that we are unable to do some of our normal cultural yeah. grieving process pieces right. as families, as faith communities. Um, that might be helpful to just hear from you a little bit about that, that for anybody out there thinking about having experienced that right now, that there, there's some trauma along with your grief. Right. Yeah, that we can't maybe respond the same way we would yeah. have before this virus were a threat, was a threat, right? Yeah, I think I really like that that question, and, and I like that, that um, – this is, in some respects, it's a good question to wrestle with now uh, if, if we haven't had that experience. And if we have had that experience, then uh, it's super helpful because I think a part of being able to do those rituals helps with the grief process. It helps us acknowledge it. It helps us kind of put it in the context. And it helps us usually connect with loved ones around us who are in, in the same boat, you know? Yeah. And, and so a lot of the cultural rituals we have around processing grief, especially early on with the, the quarantining and stay at home and, and stuff like that, it, it really isolates us. And so one of the ways that we can, you know, mitigate that is kind of requires us to speak up a little bit more and that can feel very vulnerable for, for a lot of folks. But to speak and to talk to people um, about, hey, this is what I would normally do, but I can't do three of those four things. And and if especially if we're in loss and we, you know, we're kind of dealing with how that feels overwhelming and we're kind of numb or kind of in that brain fog or simple things are harder to do, we may need other people to help us come up with ideas, yeah. creative ideas. Well, have you thought about journaling? Have you thought about um, going into your backyard and building something of remembrance in your backyard that you can look out and say, I, that, that is a, a symbol of remembrance. You know, we yeah. do that in cemeteries and stuff. And so there's a lot of things where we can take some of the rituals that we have in acknowledging and processing our grief and, and trying to be creative about how we might do some of those similar things. Yeah. I want to, I want to ask you about that, Greg, because um, you know, up to this point, we've been talking about like, perhaps if I am feeling grief, I'd like to, I'd like to hear what you'd have to say if, if I am the loved one of a person who is grieving, or if I am a friend, uh, or, or even a pastor and I'm sitting down with somebody in my congregation who is expressing a grief, I imagine there are some really good things that I could say to that person. And there's some things that I'll, that might set the healing process back, the grieving process back. Yeah. Speak to some of the things that we might do or not do to help somebody who we know is going through grief. Yeah. Well, I, 
I like that question because uh, I'm going to try not to feel too um, guilty or exposed because I have said stupid things to people that are grieving, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it's like if you've ever had any significant grief in your life, you, you know, I'm pretty sure probably somebody said something stupid to you. Yeah. You know? Right. Yes. And and I'm pretty sure I've said some stupid things to people who are grieving where it's just like, wow, that was just clueless, you know? And, and so I think it's, it is appropriate to be, um, be cautious. You know, what usually when we're saying something stupid, okay, this is at least this is the way it works for me. I'm trying to help somebody with something where there is actually no help possible. Mm. Yeah. And so I'm trying to be helpful or give them some kind of a hopeful perspective or, you know, I would, you know, we, we, we typically want to change another person's feelings by giving them a different perspective. This is usually, it comes across as clueless or stupid when somebody's mm. grieving because yeah. there's nothing we can do or say that is going to get them to not feel those painful feelings and at the level they're feeling them. And so what we can do or say for people is to offer compassion, you know, to just say, I'm, I'm so sorry that you're going through this. Um, and, and sometimes people don't appreciate it when we identify too strongly oh, I know what you're going through. Mm-hmm. Because usually when we say, I know what you're going through, what follows next is, let me tell you my story. Yeah. And, and for a person who's in pretty intense grief, honestly, they really don't care. Mm-hmm. And it's not that they're not caring people. It's just that they can't carry what they're carrying. And then they don't have the kind of the room in their backpack to carry what you're about to share with them. So to be able to just say, you know, I like my brother-in-law uh, lost his father many years ago. And um, I didn't have much to say to him. We're, we're at, it, it's after the, uh, the service and we're kind of in the, the cookie line with the church ladies made the amazing cookies. And so that's, that's a great way we can acknowledge people's grief is to just share with them something that might be needed or mm-hmm. that just says, you know, the, the card or the meal or those things are, are really helpful. Um, but we're just standing there. I'm like, I don't know what to say to my brother-in-law. You know, I just said, dude, this sucks. Yeah. And he's like, that's the best thing I've heard all day. And I'm like, you know what? I didn't, I didn't know I was saying anything really helpful, but after, you know, um, you know, I realized that, that that's just, that's just empathy. Yeah. That's just compassion. It's just kind of saying, you know, saying, Hey, this elephant in the room, hate it. Yeah. I hate this. I feel like we should just stop the podcast right now, and I should apologize to anybody who's <laughs> listening that I've done yes. one of the foolish this things. This is that the just policy. Yeah, and yeah. you know, it, it's it's funny because I've I've found sometimes if like I'm like, oh, it, it's coming out of my mouth, and that's stupid. Oh no, I can't pull it back. It's it's okay. Just stop. Yeah. Say, yeah. hey, sorry. I I I care about you. I'm sorry. And and stop. Just yeah. stop. Just, You're just, so right, Greg. Just <laughs> even if we find ourselves in that spot, we yeah. can. We don't have to do anything more than stop yeah. and say, "I'm sorry." Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking. Going. I'm thinking of the uh, the narrative of Job and his friends. It starts out they just sit. They just sit with Job. They're not giving any advice. They're 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 literally not saying anything. They're just right. sitting 
and and enduring the pain of Job's losses. Uh, and it's not until they start trying to um, fix the Same problem, words. fix the problem, <laughs> yeah. they start they start speaking, and then everything kind of goes yeah. south from there. Yeah, so, oh, I just feel like just that's the a, church community. There's yeah. such a desire, and I think it's a it's a good desire. I, I just want to fix this thing. Yeah, and and there there are things that can't be fixed. Yeah, we don't say things that might be hurtful or, or inappropriate, or whatever, because we're trying to be hurtful to the person. And so if we're in grief and we can have the compassion, yeah, that's helpful. Um, but I think if we're the one who's um, coming alongside somebody grieving to that, that Job story is so instructional and that, yeah, keeping a mouth closed. It, it, it kind of reminds me, I, I did some work um, several years ago. I was a social work discharge planner at, at Mount Carmel emergency room. And one of my jobs was to sit with families when the doctor comes in to say that their loved one has just died. Mm. And it's from the emergency department. So usually this is totally a shock. This is out. Trauma. In th that the, when they woke yeah. up that morning, this is not what they thought they were going to deal with. And so I'm sitting in this small room with a loved one or loved ones, and we wait for the doctor to come in. The doctor comes in and delivers the news that their loved one has has died mm. and then it was my job to sit with them as long as I needed to sit with them and so maybe I would sit with uh, a family for you know two hours two and a half hours and in that time I might have said three things uh, may I get you some water um, is there anyone you would like me to call I'm so sorry for your loss so in two and a half hours of sitting there and then after the medical professionals have done what they needed to do and part of the reason why the family maybe need to stay for a period of time, and then when they're ready to leave, I often heard things like, I don't know how we could have done this without you. Oh, wow. And yet I would sit there for two hours feeling completely inadequate, <laughs> completely over my ability to do anything to help. And that's true. I couldn't help. But they would experience, it, you know, we, we call that the ministry of presence. Yeah. And, and they would experience that as great caring and compassion. And, and I think probably experienced it more as great caring and compassion when I would say fewer words. Mm. That's so helpful. I feel like what you just said, that when we lean into that being uncomfortable, just being yeah. with someone and not fixing it yeah. and how uncomfortable that is for even as the professional in the room, yeah. but that that was, that was the best support you could give. Yeah, okay. and, it, and it taught me that um, a lot of times I want to say something because I'm so uncomfortable. Hmm. You know, I do want to say something to help them and I would love it if my words could be like really healing to them, but I'm often saying something out of my lack of comfort being with them in that pain, you know? And so, so one of the ways we can help people and minister to people is to be okay with the fact that we are going to be really uncomfortable and, and we're going to feel with them and, and probably not, well, definitely not the same feelings they're feeling, but still uncomfortable. And if we can 
be silently uncomfortable as a show of support, that's a great ministry to them. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about, so as if that's our job, like talk to me a little bit from the perspective of a, a Jesus-loving counselor who brings Jesus into the grief. Uh, what words do you have to say um, in those moments? You'll have to ask Jesus. <laughs> I think his friend is sitting next to you over there. <laughs> Brody? Brody. <laughs> yeah, I, I, think that, I think that for a, a believer, a, a, a Christian counselor, I, I think a part of it is that we're going to see this through the lens of our faith. And, and, and so... Um, that, that's very powerful and profound. It's our worldview. You know, for a Christian counselor, we're going to, we're going to believe that we're always wanting to have the Holy Spirit be a part of the process. And so we want to see it through the lens of Christ. We want to have the process be bathed in, in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so I think right there, it's really important because hopefully whenever we go to see a Christian counselor, um, in that respect, there's always prayer involved. Mm-hmm. There's always the invitation that that the Holy Spirit is a part of that process and that we want to walk through whatever the person is walking through um, in a manner that um, that recognizes that the Lord is walking with us. And, and I think inviting people, uh, particularly people of faith or people who are uncertain about their faith, to understand that that, that first of all, um, something I've realized, and others have helped me realize this as well, is God will never allow us to base our faith on our circumstances. He'll never allow us to base our, base our faith in Him on how things are going in our life. And so um, I was with a friend who um, who had just lost their husband, and, and they, had, um, they had moved here. By the way, if I tell any stories, Trust me, folks who are listening, you'll never know who they are. So if you're thinking, oh, I think I know who that person is. No, I've changed the stories enough to protect <laughs> yeah. the confidentiality. Anyway, so uh, this friend who moved to Columbus and basically her and her husband, basically they, they divested themselves of everything to follow what they believed was the husband sacrificially following Christ into this new place where they knew nobody and they had nothing. And so the wife kind of gave up everything to go on this journey of faith with the husband. And then after they got here, pretty soon after, before, before the stuff really happened with what the husband was, was ultimately trying to do, he died. And she's going, wait a second, we, we sacrificed everything to follow him. Did he bring us here just to kill my husband? You know? And you go, wait a second. God will never allow us to base our faith in him on our circumstances. He simply won't allow it. In that way, he's jealous. But it's for our own good. Uh-huh. And, and he will always allow us to understand our circumstances based in him. And so a part of being a Christian counselor is to help people, um, help them with their perspective on who they believed God to be and how is it that God is truly good and is truly merciful and is truly compassionate 
and is in fact walking with them right now, even though we all from time to time make the mistake of trying to figure out God from our circumstances versus our circumstances from the lens of God. Yeah. When we were talking earlier, you you spoke of the Greek word uh, for take heart. Mm, yeah. Say say something about the unpredictable nature of our existence and and God's good news to us in light of that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a Greek word that uh, that that Jesus uh, said uh, is tharseo, uh, the the word tharseo, and he said this at, at several different times, and he. For example, the apostles were out in the boat, and it was getting stormy, and it, the, the waves were coming over the, the bow of the boat, and they were pretty much in trouble. Okay, the storm was raging. They were in trouble. Jesus had sent them on ahead in the boat, and then they see this ghost-like figure walking on the water in front of them. And, of course, that's, they're, they're afraid they're going to die from the storm. Now they got some ghost that, you know, is out there. Bad to worse. Yeah, bad to worse. And um, he says, Tharseo, it is I. And, and Tharseo there means take courage, take heart. It's me, you know. He said this when the woman reached out and touched him in the crowd and was healed. And he turned to her and he said, uh, daughter, Tharseo, take heart. Your faith has made you well. Mm-hmm. And, and that tharseo means be of courage, be of courage, take heart, be of courage. And, and I love that because when he says that, people are at this, at this place in their lives where they feel very threatened, they feel very inadequate uh, and, and very at risk. You know, something about our shame, we, we feel shame when, when we believe We've messed it up, and we're not enough to fix it, mm. and we're totally exposed. We're super yeah. at risk and vulnerable, right? So it's kind of a comp. Shame, shame is a combination of those three things. Mm. And in each of these times when Jesus says, Darseo, take heart, be of courage, the human people were feeling that shame and that inadequacy and that significant vulnerability risk. And, and so Jesus, I think, says to us, take heart. I've got it. Don't look at it that same old way from your flesh, from this temporal circumstance that you're in. Take heart. I'm here. I've got it. That is good news. Such good news. Yeah. Greg, thank you so much for sitting with us and talking, sharing your expertise in this area. We really appreciate it. We sure do. I just, I think that's an awesome ending note. Thank you. Great to be with you guys. Very good. Greg Shad. Good stuff. Very good stuff. That man has delivered us some wisdom today, and it felt kind of like a cup of cold water. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed sitting and talking with him about how to process grief, both just as a person who's experiencing grief, but then also somebody who's looking to come alongside someone else who might be experiencing grief. Yeah, I I really dialed in when he was talking about perhaps the stupid things that we've said to people. And I couldn't help but think of uh, how many times I've made that mistake. But I thought that there was real wisdom there 
particularly when he was talking about uh, when he was working in the hospital. And, you know, sometimes he would sit with a family for an hour and would only say, I'm so sorry for your loss. Is there anything that I can get you or can I make a phone call? That to me sounded like real wisdom in regard to helping somebody who's going through grief. Yeah, I did too. I did too. His last words about Jesus, that Jesus uh, delivers us um, courage to take heart or to take courage, Mm -hmm. that uh, I think that Jesus' words are different than our words. They created the world. They recreate our hearts. Mm -hmm. And as he delivers those words, I believe that he delivers us that actual courage to keep walking through this forest, this uh, grieving process that we're in. And boy, I appreciate Greg for, for sharing that with us today. Take heart. Again, special thanks to Greg Shad for sitting down and talking with us. We appreciate his ministry to us and, uh, and his wisdom as he shared with us today. Also, thanks to Steve Gill, our sound engineer. Looking forward to continue these conversations. Until next time.